Thank you, thank you, thank you for once again tuning in to the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm here once again with the man, the myth, the legend, my dude, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's up, man? Not much. I'm in an all-star kind of mood right now. All-star kind of mood. We're filming this, as always, on a Thursday night, and the all-star teams have been drafted today, not televised, which is super Not televised. So do you have any conspiracy theories that maybe these guys didn't draft their teams? So I thought I thought that was a thing, but so far, if you go on Instagram, I think it was LeBron. LeBron tweeted out a picture of his roster, and like I mean, obviously he could fake that, right? And it's in alphabetical well, order. He wrote it out, but obviously that could be faked. But it looked like they actually did do it. The one thing that came out of uh, when they released, they had a show on TNT where they announced who was on each either side, and in that interview. They revealed that the reason why it wasn't televised, they met or I guess had some form of communication with all of the All-Stars and they couldn't get a consensus on whether or not they should air the draft on TV. So then they didn't do it. So what that tells us is that some one of the All-Stars didn't want this to be televised at all. So we can go through and speculate who's the saltiest of the salty (laughs) and try to guess. Because I think we know Kevin Durant, right? What was it? Durant was one of the leading vote getters early on. And he said he didn't want to take part in the draft. Like he didn't want to draft a team. So is it that far of a leap for us to assume that maybe he wouldn't want it to be televised as well? Has Kevin Durant been salty? (laughs) That doesn't seem like him at all. No, right? I mean... (laughs) Who would the perspective people that you think would be, because like we heard from LeBron, we heard from Steph, they wanted it to be televised, right? I feel like it would be people who I guess maybe you would assume might be the last picks. They might be kind of worried about being the last pick and maybe that's why those people wouldn't want to end up, you know, with this draft being televised and being taken last. But what do you make of that? Do you think that's super lame? Like, should they care? I I think that maybe it wasn't necessarily the players, but maybe the player's representation because, uh, you know, maybe your agent, you know, if you are last pick, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're still an all-star, but that could, you know, you could see some diminishing returns of being like, Oh, listen, Al Horford was last pick. I mean, you know, how great of an all-star is he really? So I'm not sure necessarily if it was a player's, but maybe their representation, their management, something like that could have had some like outside, uh, uh, influence rather than just the players. But I'll tell you why I think that it was real. Because uh, if you saw LeBron's handwritten picks, yes. I don't think <laughs> I don't think he would publicize. I don't think anybody else would misspell Westbrook or Porzingis as badly as he did. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't see that. I didn't take it in. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I think he called him Westbrook uh, <laughs> with no B and Porzingis with an A. That's amazing. Well, yeah, that's good stuff. Did we see Steph's? Do we know if he tried to spell Antetokounmpo? Oh, listen, as uh, somebody who used to have to write scripts for a living yeah. uh, for for anchors on Sportsnet, I, I think that if you gave me a piece of paper right now, I could uh, I could still spell you Antetokounmpo. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love it. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, too, you brought up an interesting point about the agents, which I never really thought of until you just mentioned it. But imagine if you're 
like whose deals coming up soon or some sometime soon, right? Like if you're poor Zingus, right? Like if you're boogie or whatever, and now this draft happens and we see that players are taking Draymond ahead of boogie, or if that stuff starts to happen, you know, maybe that could be a negotiation ploy as well for either an agent or for a team to be like, well, look, how are you trying to tell me that, you know, uh, Bradley Beal is better than uh, Victor Oladipo when Oladipo got picked ahead of him, right? Like, could that be a thing? Yeah, well, I, I think that's always something to kind of uh, uh, take note of, you know, because especially nowadays with the way that these NBA deals are, any little bit of negotiation ploy can uh, can really make or break between, you know, a $20 million deal and a $30 million deal, really. So true, Webby, so true. So let's let's break down the rosters here and get to our first segment we always start with turn up turn down and let's begin right away with the all-star roster so let's go through the two teams obviously again it's teams lebron and team curry so on team lebron the starters are of course lebron james kevin durant anthony davis demarcus cousins kyrie irving and then to the bench we got bradley beal lamarcus aldridge kevin love russell westbrook victor oladipo mr christops porzingis and your boy, John Wall. Now, if we go to team Steph Curry, Steph Curry's starters, joining Steph in the starting lineup, we got James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, then heading, heading to the bench, we got Al Horford, Carl Anthony Towns, Clay Thompson, Kyle Lowry, Draymond Green, Jimmy Buckets, and Dame Lillard. So, Webby. Our first question here on Turn Up, Turn Down, for those not familiar with how the segment works, we make a statement, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. First statement is, Team LeBron James is way better than Team Curry. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Listen, at first blush, you would see this in turn up, but as I turn this over my head and looked at these rosters, I'm turning down. Whoa, I'm turning down quite a bit. What? Okay, let me yeah. hear you. Yeah, listen. Okay, listen. LeBron James obviously is the best player in the NBA. You can't take that away from him, okay? Mm-hmm. And putting Kyrie and the two big guys in New Orleans and Russell Westbrook and Porzingis, like at first look at that team, you're like, wow, that's that that's a major league squad. Mm-hmm. But, man, take another look at Steph's team. When you think about the depth, I just think the players like Draymond Green, like Joel Embiid, like Carl Anthony Towns, like Jimmy Butler, I think the like the two Raptors, I think that it's a way more complete team. I really do. I'll give you this much, Webby, because I'm going to turn up on this. I'm going to say that Team LeBron is better than Team Curry. And I will give you this, though. That I, I do feel that, especially in the starting lineup, Steph's team is a lot more balanced, right? Like, Steph is obviously the point guard. James Harden and DeMar are traditional wings. Giannis can obviously play the floor. And you got your big man, JoJo, in the middle playing center, right? But when you slide over and you just look at LeBron's team now, right? These are matchup problems. You got Kyrie, LeBron, and KD as the wing? Like, hold on, what? That's your wing, LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. And then up front, you're telling me you got Boogie and Anthony Davis? I'm definitely rolling with Team LeBron. And especially because coming off my bench, I got my guy, Russell 
Westbrook, Mr. Do Everything, Mr. Why Not, Mr. Gordon Gartrell shirt. If you saw him tonight as he walked into the game, I don't know if you caught that. Did you catch his outfit? I did. With his titties hanging out. <laughs> Amazing, right? But my point here is I'm rolling, like, I just think in terms of, like, traditional basketball, cool. I look at Steph's team. It's balanced. He's got a lot of point guards, a lot of guard play, whatever. Like, it's it's balanced. But in terms of just physical, just, like, angry, like, superhumans, right? Like, the th- and I, I, I know it sounds like hyperbole as I say superhumans, but I'm talking about LeBron James is an alien. Kevin Durant is a two guard that is 6'10". Who is guarding that, right? And then we know what Kyrie does already. And the front line, we watch Boogie and AD do work as it is. I'm sorry, but I'm rolling with Team LeBron here. I'm on Team LeBron. There is a serious drop-off after you get to Westbrook. Okay, so let's... There just really is. And then you look at Steph's team. You know how you win basketball games? You score more than the other team. Okay. Especially in especially in all-star games. Yep. And you look at the scoring strength that Steph's team has over LeBron's team, especially, like, look at the bench, man, with Clay, Kyle, Jimmy, Dane, and then and defensively, too, with Draymond, Carl, and, and Al Horford. It's unbelievable. And you can give me that LeBron James is an alien. Steph has the Greek freak <laughs> this, like you have all these great shooters you have all this guard play and you have easily one of the most gifted young players under the age of 25 probably the most gifted player under the age of 25 and Giannis Antetokounmpo I cannot wait to see Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo play four or five for this team staff with the shooters that they're going to put out there on the court it, this is going to be fun to watch, Webby, and I will concede to you that the reserves for Team Stephen Curry are better, I think, or more well-balanced than the reserves for Team LeBron. And you're right, the drop-off after Russ is a lot because, you know, like you're looking at Oladipo and even John Wall and Bradley Beal, like they're all-stars, yes, but I don't know if either, if any of those guys Kevin are on the Love. level. Kevin Love is on Team LeBron, man. That's all you got to know. <laughs> Is he even going to show up or is he going to come down with the flu? That's the one thing when you brought up, you know, was it rigged or did they kind of like fake this draft? That's the one part I don't like. Like all the teammates are on the same team except for KD being on LeBron's team, right? And I don't don't know about that. I don't like that. I liked it better if, you know, you split up, especially with the reserves, right? Like Bradley Beal and John Wall, why are they on the same team? That's not necessary. We don't need Clay and Draymond to be on the same team. We don't need Jimmy Butler and cat to be on the same team split those guys up that would have made this more fun to me what do you think no i i completely agree and then that way i think that it kind of evens out that way as well for sure uh the other right now i look at these teams i don't think it's that when i first looked i was like wow lebron's got a really good team but now the more i look at steph's team i don't think these teams are even oh I'm not, I'm still not, I'm still riding with team LeBron, but I like the discourse here and it just adds a little more pub to the all-star game coming up a little more hype. I can't wait. I know we're mad that it didn't get televised the all-star draft. I think they'll probably end up changing that if this continues and if they run with this again next year, but you know, as of now I'm in on this idea. I love it. I think it's a great, great thing. But, Webby, something that always happens each and every year with All-Star Games, regardless of what sport it is, 
are people are super salty because they got snubbed. And I'm totally stealing this from, I think it was Sports Nation, but they had this graphic of someone opening a salt shaker and just like dumping out all the salt. And the graphic <laughs> came up that said the all salty team. It was actually really funny. But if we're going to name the all salty team, who do you think has the best case? We heard Lou Williams was upset on Twitter. Uh, Dr- uh, Andre Drummond was also upset on Twitter, which we'll get to in the Feed Me segment. But I have a guess who your first pick might be, Webby. But let, let me know who got snubbed. Who should be well, playing in the All-Star game? Okay, so the two that you named for sure. And I mean, Andre Drummond took his uh, frustrations out, not just on social media, but on who, who were the Pistons playing last night? Because he absolutely demolished them single-handedly. He had one of the best stat lines that I've seen this year. It was crazy. Drummond doing crazy work. And he tweeted something about like having to do backflips or something if you know maybe that's what he has to do. It was just funny to see. Because, like, again, the NBA is the saltiest league there is. And it's so entertaining. Or entertaining. Because I'm here for it, right? I like that guys are mad that they're not in the All-Star game. I like that. Well, the one that was kind of not a surprise to me, but uh, I would have liked to have seen him make it, is uh, obviously Ben Simmons. I mean, especially with another triple-double last night, a game that he almost had a triple-double in the, in the first half. I mean, if you replace Kevin Love, who's been having a good season, but I mean, if you put Ben Simmons on Team LeBron and Kevin Love's spot, that's a really big switch out you know i think that simmons kind of deserves to be there i don't know you know what i would think of webby honestly i don't like how there's two wizards on the team right like that's my biggest beef with all this and i know that especially because wall didn't play for a long time yeah i just find it super weird there's my biggest beefs with the all-star rosters is that there's no need for four golden state warriors on the team i understand when they're off to a crazy 70 win pace or whatever, but they're only, I think like three games ahead of the Houston Rockets. And so how do you justify having four golden state warriors and only James Harden on the Houston Rockets? And that doesn't so make no sense. Chris to me. Paul, would you, have, would you have put Chris Paul in there? Definitely. I'd put Chris Paul in there probably over clay or Draymond, probably Draymond. I don't know, but it's just an easy decision to have four warriors because people don't want to make the difficult decision of picking between clay and Draymond, which one shouldn't make it. So I think the easiest move is just to put both of them on. But I think that's totally unfair to other guys who are deserving. And I think Lou will, there's crazy stats out there about Lou will, Lou will scoring. I think since like December 1st or something like that, like he's basically leading the league in scoring. Like Lou will has had a crazy season. The Clippers are in, I think ninth and they've survived the first half of having so many injuries. And part of the reason for that is a man, the man, six man, Lou will who Toronto fans will be obviously familiar with, but what Lou Williams is doing, I think it's just a better nod to give guys like that an opportunity instead of having four guys on the same team. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. I also don't think that, okay, you go to the East, right? You have two Cleveland Cavaliers, you have two Boston Celtics, you have two Toronto Raptors. Why do you need, you don't need two Washington Wizards. They're not that good, right? Like this is not a thing. I don't think you need, and as much as I think that Al Horford is the glue for that team, I don't think you need two Boston Celtics. It was funny watching TNT the other night. It was their <laughs> players only. Did you see that? Any of that? It was their no. players only crew. So it was like Shaq, Chris Webber was playing the role of the host. 
and then uh, Baron Davis and Isaiah Thomas were on. But they were talking about Al Horford and Shaq. You know, Shaq's heavily critical on big men, right? Because obviously he's one of the greatest big men ever to play the game. But he's super critical yeah. at big men and their numbers. Al Horford is averaging 13 and 6. Now, Shaq tried to claim that if you put him right now on the Orlando Magic, he could put up 13 and 6 in the league, which obviously is an exaggeration. But, you know, that's where we get into the situation that we're discussing now, where how much do you equate the intangibles that Al Horford brings to the table as opposed to the stats? Listen, intangibles will help your team win, but I don't necessarily think that anybody's going to be watching the All-Star game to see Al Horford set picks. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Webby. I'm right there with you. When we look at this one, turn up, turn down, we split on this. I'm saying turn up. Team LeBron is better than Team Curry. And Mr. Andrew Webster is turning down. We'll have more All-Star talk a little later on when we discuss some of the social media stuff that was going on. But let's continue with turn up, turn down, Webby. And, you know, before we get to the next actual topic, I just want to go over a couple of the crazy-ass storylines that went on in the NBA. And we could have picked, like, any and all of these things to talk about, <laughs> right? Like, we it's had... It's been a crazy week. It's just been a regular week in the NBA, you know? I felt like it was supercharged though, right? Like we had the topics we're going to get to with Kevin Love and the Cavs and obviously Jay Kidd. But on top of that, you had Kawhi versus the Spurs, which like, would you ever picture that being a thing ever? Kawhi and the Spurs beefing? I'm surprised that even got out in the media. Right? Like how does that even happen? So crazy. The Wizards are a complete gong show, right? We will talk about Jason Kidd, but like the Kemba Walker trade rumors came out of nowhere and then Michael Jordan kind of like, moonwalked away from them a little bit, right? But that's crazy. You had Damian Lillard setting up a meeting with Paul Allen, and they're talking about the future of that franchise. You have LeBron Instagramming young, or young LeBron Instagramming old LeBron, right? You had Rob Palenka just, who even knows what that guy's talking about with the state of the Lakers right now. And to top this all off, your boy Kobe Bean Bryant is nominated for an Oscar award. The NBA is the best, right? How, how we we emphasize this each and every week, Webby, but this this week seemed to be on steroids in terms of NBA storylines. Listen, the Kobe Bryant Oscar thing, I think low key is one of the most interesting story <laughs> that that kind of spans pop culture, what's going on in the entertainment industry and sports right now. I'm really surprised that he got nominated for that Oscar. When you consider what's going on with the Me Too movement mm -hmm. and the sexual uh, misconduct allegations that are seem to be running rampant through Hollywood, mm -hmm. and for them to kind of almost uh, not annoy but recognize Kobe Bryant for this short film is really interesting to me. I'm I'm really wondering like where that's coming from. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the story today, but uh, Casey Affleck who won Best Actor for Manchester by the Sea last year, yeah. has pulled out of presenting the Best Actress category this year. That's what usually happens. When you win yes. Best Actor, the next year you present the Best Actress, and same and vice versa, right? And so what's, what's Homegirl's name? What's Homegirl's name that they're anticipating is going to win that award? Uh, Francis McDormand. Yes. So I saw this on TMZ, and correct me if I'm wrong, but people were anticipating that if she won – 
she's kind of the no nonsense like i'm a talks i'm a shoot from the hip like did that play a part into this do you think big time and you saw that franco wasn't nominated either for disaster artist right oh, so it's yes. kind of happening and then you know then you see that kobe gets nominated now like listen that's what happened in that colorado hotel room is a long time ago but People have long memories, you know, and it's weird that that I, I thought that was really the strangest kind of peripheral NBA story this week. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, it is a crazy thing, but this is, you know, what's going on here, Webby? I think it's worlds colliding here. Right. And it's a reminder that as much as in this era of media, everything is put into one big ball. Like we think of sports and movies and Hollywood and music is all being one big ball of pop culture and even politics. Right. When you add in Trump and like whatever dumb shit Don Lemon says. Right. Like all those things are put into this one big pop culture ball. But this Kobe thing was almost a reminder that in this 24-hour news cycle where we forget things so quickly because we're just on to the next story. It was kind of the, the reminder that, no, 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 sports people were here to quickly be like, wait a second. So while Casey Affleck has to take, he's taking a step back and while Franco's obviously not getting the accolades that many people think that he would normally have, here's Kobe Bryant. And just because the Kobe machine or the Nike machine behind Kobe has done such a good job of making people forget about what were very serious allegations at the time, right? Like, does that make sense? You know, I think that just where the, the state of the media is right now, that people don't do their research, right? You're just going to like, what's my last memory of said person? And that's kind of what we're going with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, with all those things said, you know, with all that said, because there's a lot there, I know. And the, the Kobe Bryant thing is super interesting because when he made that that movie, right? Remember he wrote that as like an article or something? I don't remember if it was a Players Tribune or what it was for. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it was Players Tribune. But he made it and then it was just like a written poem that I remember everybody made fun of at the time. And then now he just, you know, he got like one of the biggest animation artists i know there's an actual term for that that i'm just messing up right now uh animators animators, animators? would that be it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's wrong with me i had like a brain fart there for a second <laughs> but he got you know the best in the business essentially to come up with the score for this poem and to animate it obviously and then boom oscar nomination like so crazy crazy stories all around the nba and you're right on a normal week that kobe story is probably the lead topic but this is the NBA, and there's one man's and team. Got, and we've got people uh, like pretending they're sick. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what I mean, right? There's there's one <laughs> there's one man's team, right? And his name is LeBron James. And we talked about it last week that it's always around this time of year where business picks up for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this year was no different. Last year, there was stuff going on, but this year, things went to a whole new level after news of a Cavs team meeting in which everyone was calling out Kevin Love. So <laughs> I'll start here, Webby. We all know what's going on so far, but the comment, or sorry, the statement here is the Cavs meeting was a good thing. Are you going to turn up or turn down on this, Webby? You know what? Just because history tends to repeat itself, I'm going to say that the airing of grievances in the Cavs locker room is going to be a festivist miracle. I think it's going to be a good thing. <laughs> You're turning up on this, okay. okay? I'm turning up. Because, listen, you don't want any of that deep-seated resentment to yeah. spill up, to get pent up, 
and then spill out in negative ways. You may as well get all that stuff out while you can right now and hope that it galvanizes the team. And you know what? Like you said, we saw it last year, saw it the year before, and by God, we saw it the year before that. These Cavs go through this swoon around this time of year every year, and I still think, I still think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be playing for the Eastern Conference Championship and a right to go play in the NBA Finals. All right, Webby. So here's the thing. I still agree with you. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers will make it to the NBA Finals. Wholeheartedly agree with you there, Webby. But with that said, I'm turning down on this Cavs meeting being a good thing because under no circumstances is it a good thing to have your whole team calling out one of its stars, an all-star in fact, being Kevin Love, for being quote-unquote sick during a game, leaving said game, sitting on the bench for some of the game, but then going home while the game is still going on. A game, in fact, that your team gave up, what, 148 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder? That, my friends, is never a good thing. When you have players, and Frank Iasola of the New York Daily News was reporting that Isaiah Thomas was the one leading the charge against Kevin Love, who turned up ill for Saturday's embarrassing loss to OKC and then went home after playing just three minutes. So, you have the newest player on your team, the newest star, going at another star on your team, openly calling him out. This is a gong show, Webby, and I don't think this is a good thing at all. You know what's funny, too? You brought up that it was Isaiah Thomas, and I sent you that tweet the other day that it was Woj who first reported this, and that Woj is famously not connected to LeBron's camp, and they were trying to figure out you know, who could leak this story. And it makes so much sense that it was Isaiah, not only who brought up these bad feelings, but also leaked this to Woj to report on. If we continue here on this reckless speculation, though, Webby, I'm going to say that another conspiracy theory here could be that it's LeBron's people leaking this. Because here's the thing. If LeBron is indeed leaving after this season, there kind of has to be some narrative of, well, Cleveland's just a gong show. And this is part of the reason why I'm leaving. I got the one championship, but right now, you know, the cap's in a mess, even though that's his fault. But the (laughs) cap's in a mess. The team's in disarray. Who knows what's going on here, right? And, And that's how part of his excuse or his reasoning why he's leaving. So... There is a conspiracy theory there as well that it could be LeBron's people leaking this storyline because we do know that LeBron does tend to always do a very good job of dictating his own narrative, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this that sto- is a man who's in charge of his media coverage. It is so crazy right now when you think about it. That game against OKC was just pathetic. They also lost a game to the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard. And I know the Spurs are rolling, but that's still not a game that you can lose if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers. You got David Blatt calling them out, which... I saw that. And then they gave up more points than the Cavs did against the Thunder. (laughs) Right? So amazing. For those who don't know, David Blatt, who was a former Cavs coach who was run out of town for Ty Lue before the Cavs went on to win a championship, David Blatt is now coaching in Turkey, I think. And he was being interviewed. He was being interviewed before the Turkish League All-Star Game. And he was quoted as saying, hopefully we don't give up as many points as the Cleveland Cavaliers did on Saturday. Which, like, David Black going out of his way to still throw shade. 
all the way from Turkey? That's amazing to me. The NBA pettiness knows no boundaries. Apparently. Even Enos Cantor still out there throwing shots at LeBron. <laughs> that was amazing. Enos Cantor. Like, oh, man. I, I love the NBA. I know I say this all the time. Maybe we should change the name of this podcast to I Love the NBA. But <laughs> it's just so amazing. But what do you think Webby is next? Going to happen next in the land? I think that they run off six, seven straight. These rumors about George Hill were told today that they're kind of like they're they're further away than they first thought. Yeah, there are rumors yeah, of the Cavs getting about, George Hill. I don't Hill. know about George Hill. I don't know if that's the answer. I think that uh, a trade's going to happen, whether it's getting rid of uh, Shump and or J.R. Smith and or Kevin Love. But I don't know if it's George Hill. I think we're thinking too small there. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting to see. And, I mean, there are talk of them trying to get George Hill and DeAndre Jordan, and I don't know how much that would help. Well, let me rephrase that. I think it would help, but I don't know if it helps enough that it makes that much of a difference against Golden State. I think that, you know, with the pieces they have now, they can figure stuff out and they can make it a little bit better with the pieces that they currently have. But George Hill, I don't think adds that much to you that I'm giving up anything with meaning. And at first the report was Iman Shumpert and Channing Fry as a primary primary players. But I mean, I'm not giving up much more than that to get George Hill. That's for damn sure. But yeah, yeah, uh, agreed. But bottom line, Cavs land right now, things are super crazy. Super interesting, as always. I want to get your opinion on something else, Webby. I forgot to add this into the notes, but I know you're aware of the storyline. It was floating all around where Kevin Love fell on the ground and none of his Cavs teammates helped him up. But not only did none of his Cavs teammates help him up, but Jay Crowder kind of like stepped over him and just walked right by him to pick up the ball. <laughs> it's, it's this kind of body language, deep dives that I love, oh. especially when it comes to the Cavs. Well, it went next level because you had Brian Windhorse reminding everyone that in the Cavs uh, GM office, right? David Griffin, when he was there, he put up a picture and it's a picture of Tristan Thompson on the ground. And then the four other Cav players on the court, all running over and putting their hand out to help up Tristan Thompson. It's a great photo. If you just Google it, I think I might have tweeted it out actually, but if you just Google it, it's a an amazing picture and it symbolizes like teamwork and all for one. And there's like this great story, which uh, David Meneman told earlier on this year about Kobe Altman talking about how in one of their training camps, someone fell on the ground and LeBron was at half court and he like ran across to like pick the guy up and he was like, pick him up, pick him up. And it was just kind of like a, a big rallying cry about all for one and just what about what it meant to be a team and all this stuff. And this photo of them helping up Tristan Thompson, like is a rallying cry that hangs in the front office of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So with that, you know, it just added another level to the body language doctors <laughs> that we are, <laughs> that NBA Twitter becomes right. It's so funny. I love it, but let's move on to the next turn up, turn down Webby. The Bucks fire Jason Kidd. This is something we've talked about for a while. So I think I know where you're going with this, Webby, but turning up or turning down on the Bucks firing Jason Kidd? Yeah, I'm turning up. It had to happen. Why do you think it had to happen, Webby? Like, what was it about? Like, you think they just stalled for too much or were there too many expectations? Like, what was it that you think went wrong for Jay Kidd? I don't think he was a very good coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but he's got all these weapons, especially offensive weapons on this team. Yeah. Especially with the trade that they made for Eric Bledsoe, they should be way better than they are. And if you look at their offensive numbers as, as a team, 
They're not very good. Not at all. It, it, they they struggled on offense a lot, and it seems like you know Brogdon had a really good rookie year being the point guard and setting people up, knocking down open shots. Obviously, he's moved off the ball a little bit as Bledsoe came in, but it still seems that Giannis is the only like go-getter. Maybe it's taken a little longer than anticipated for Bledsoe to fit in, but it's only going to get worse because Jabari Parker is coming in. And so if they can't figure it out right now, you know, before Jabari comes back, it might be a good time to get a new coach in and a new voice kind of to sort things out. But that's not really the reason why I'm turning up on the Bucks firing Jason Kidd. I'm turning up on the Bucks firing Jason Kidd because there's just so much like super slimy, sneaky stuff around Jason Kidd. And uh, I found, think, yeah. well, first off, we're talking about a guy who once got caught on camera when he didn't have any timeouts left and he nudged one of his players to pretend to bump into him so he knocked over a cup with water on the court so he could get a timeout when he had no timeouts as if the cameras weren't going to catch him doing that so Jay Kidd is kind of a shyster on a certain level and the way that he maneuvered his way from the Brooklyn Nets to the Milwaukee Bucks in the first place was kind of shady but the way that this all played out Webby is why I'm turning up on firing Jason Kidd. So right after this help happens, he does a little interview with Ramona Shelburne, and I'm going to go through the list of tweets here, where Jason Kidd tells ESPN that Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo called him about 15 minutes before Kidd was officially notified he'd been fired by the Bucks and offered to help save his job. Kidd said, quote, He called me and said, Coach, this isn't right what they're about to do, but they are going to let you go. Kid says he told Antetokounmpo, quote, I had a feeling that was going to take place. Kid says Antetokounmpo replied, quote, what can I do? I'll call the owners. I'll call my agent. And Kid said he told him, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is tell the truth. So obviously this is decided to make Jason Kidd look good, to make it seem like Antetokounmpo is on his side and there wasn't a rift there. but. Do you find this as shady as I do that Jason Kidd would reveal this in the minutes after he got fired? Listen, what are the odds that that conversation actually took place? <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that? Do you think a guy whose first language is certainly not English is that eloquent in trying to save his coach's job? No, no. Listen, and you're right about the shady stuff that Jason Kidd's been involved with in his entire NBA career. Whether it's playing or coaching, look how look what happened with his stint in Brooklyn. Yeah, and, and and how he left them holding the bag. It's absolutely unbelievable. And you know what? I think that the Bucks, especially if they make the right pick on who they bring in here, uh, are going to be way better off without him. And this this totally reminds me of the Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr thing. So it's super interesting to see, and I wonder who could be next in line to take Giannis and the Bucks, and can they take them to the next level? I'm, I'm hoping for a Van Gundy. So a lot of things in the air, but as always, as we kept saying, crazy times going on in the NBA right now, but we both are turning up on the fact the Bucks should have fired your boy Jason Kidd. Both you and I, Webby, are turning up on that. To conclude our Turn Up, Turn Down segment for another week, although I do have an, a one random question about the All-Star Game, Webby. Turn Up, Turn Down on the All-Star Game uniforms made by Jordan. Have you seen them? Do you like them? Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. I'll just bring it up right here. Well, I will talk about them while you look that up because that's just what 
good teammates do, Webby. And I like them because I like the clean look, right? It's a simple black and white. The logos are obviously black and white just because, you know, you're going to have different players from different teams playing on the same team. So what they did was they made a black a black jersey and a white jersey and the logos are just black and white whatever your actual team is and i just like the clean look of it listen uh, uh, already they're way better than the ones that were in new orleans a couple of years ago yeah i, I like the look i like the clean look the basic like very I feel, simple i like it yeah i feel like recently what we're seeing with a lot of nba uniforms and even logos like less is more right and i think like it's becoming so apparent when you see you know when the Raptors changed their logo to just the basketball, or we saw the Nets logo, right? And the Nets logo is very simplistic, like very basic designs, but it's simple, it's clean, but it looks super nice. Uh, the other thing I want to lead to, and this leads perfectly into our Feed Me segment, actually, which is the best things that come across our social media feeds from the week that was, a thing we like to call the Feed Me segment, sticking with the uniforms. The Miami Heat City Edition jersey, Webby. Did you see those? The Vice City joints? So dope. The Miami oh, Vice jerseys. Sick, man. Those might be the best NBA jerseys I have ever seen. They are so oh. sick. Not only do they have kind of like the the like hot pink and like that teal kind of baby blue oh, yeah. tinge to it, but it's clean enough because it's not too much of those bright colors. Do you know what I mean? So it's like out there, but it's still super sleek, super clean. And if you have a chance to go on the website and actually look at some of the other gear that goes with that Miami Vice City edition jerseys, like they got t-shirts, a bunch of different t-shirts and stuff. So sick. Super fresh. Now, obviously being being a Sixers fan and having grown up in Philadelphia, I really love the Sixers ones too. Have you seen those? I have seen those. Yeah. Those are pretty dope. Those are. Those are really nice. Those are super dope as well. But again, yeah, nothing is beating the Miami no. Heat City Edition jerseys right now. Miami Vice inspired. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with our podcast wondering, why would you guys be talking about something that we should be seeing on an audio podcast? Well, there's this thing called Google. So use it. <laughs> I think that the, the Miami's wearing them uh, here on Thursday night. Oh, really? I didn't even realize In fact, that. I saw a picture of uh, Goran Dragic rocking a dirty, dirty mustache <laughs> and, the, and the Vice City jersey, and it looks pretty sweet. Super dope. Again, if you don't know what we're talking about, get your Googles up. That's why you have a phone in your hand. That's why Steve Jobs created this beautiful thing called an iPhone. Get your Googles up. <laughs> Figureitout.com. But as we move on in our Feed Me segment, you mentioned Goran Dragic, who could have had an argument for being an all-star because his Miami Heat are now in the thick of the Eastern Conference playoff spot, but he didn't really make his feelings known as some other fellow all-star or non-all-stars or all-salty team (laughs) all-stars decided to go to social media and do. And we talk about this every week on the Feed Me segment, why we do this segment, because the NBA is the absolute best. But I just want to know, where else will you see something like this happen? And I'm talking about your man, Lou Williams. So literally seconds after the Western Conference reserves were announced on TNT, Webby, Lou Williams just simply tweeted out, LOL, to which the NDA on ESPN put up a picture of Lou Williams with his tweet 
and said, was Lou Williams referring to being snubbed from the All-Star game? To which Lou Williams quote tweeted and said, damn right, (laughs) shake my head. (laughs) All salty team, I love it. Shout out to you, Lou Will. I agree with you. And I agree with your saltiness. Sometimes you got to let them know. Like the wise, noted poet, Young Jeezy, once said, sometimes you got to let them know. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, and he should be pissed. And he should be taking a Twitter. Good for him. And the other guy who is known to, I'm surprised actually you were on his side. I'm talking about Andre Drummond, who also took to social media to complain about not making the All-Star game. And I'm surprised Webby that you actually are on Drummond's side because he is known to had said beef with your boy JoJo, Mr. Joel Embiid. Not working out for Andre Drummond this year. Not working out well at all. And Andre Drummond was not happy. He started off with a tweet that said, gotta be effing kidding me when he was not announced to being on the Eastern Conference All-Star team. And then followed that up with a tweet that said, Quote, I guess I got to start doing bat flips after every point I score to get attention around here. LMAO, on to the next. Now, I think, Webby, if I'm, if I'm reading in between the lines of this tweet, I oh, think he's talking know, about Joel Embiid. He's, right? talking about. he's talking about Joel Embiid, right? You know it. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. When is their next matchup? I can't wait. So oh, good. It's, it's- it's gonna. I think they play once or twice more. But here's the thing. This is why I don't mind Drummond because not only did he go on Twitter and say this stuff and like, hey, you know, you can take a shot at Embiid, but like they say in the wire, if you if you come at the king, you best not miss. But the other thing about Drummond is what he did was come out the next night and absolutely dominate. Yes. I mean, that was one, like I said before, that was one of the best stat lines I've seen this year. His dismantle. I don't even know who they played last night. But I just know that I saw the highlights and Drummond was just unstoppable. So good for him in backing that up with his performance. Now, we'll see what happens next time he plays JoJo. I mean, MB's been putting him in the dishwasher the first two times they played, you know? So we shall see. We shall see indeed. Another topic this week, though, Webby, in our Feed Me segment, we all know LeBron James joined the illustrious 30,000 point club. But before this happened, earlier on that day, what came across our Instagram feeds was a message on LeBron James's Instagram account, but it was a message from young LeBron <laughs> to old LeBron, to which he says, want to be the first to congratulate you on this accomplishment slash achievement tonight that you'll reach. Well, I love that this has now been memeified in that everybody now is thanking themselves or or congratulating themselves on things that they haven't done yet. That's my favorite thing. Like, listen, I'd just like to thank myself for uh, making it into work on Friday morning. You know, it was really just the best thing I've done. Hashtag strive for greatness. You know, so I really, I really like the, uh, I really like the memification of it. (laughs) We spent a lot of time last week talking about just this, this generation of not only the NBA, but I guess like as we watch the NBA adapt to what's going on in the real world, which is this, you know, a generation growing up with social media. And so one of the things that I find so interesting is watching people learn as they go on social media, because to me, I think Instagram especially and what social media represents is it's people trying to show off, like give off a perception of themselves, 
right? And whether it's real or not, that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to give off like you're not it's not the real them, but it's the them that they're trying to put up for other people to see, right? And I think here LeBron is trying to make himself look somewhat humble. You know, like, oh man, like he's reflecting back on like everything he's been through, but he's trying to do it in like this cool and like, you know, thought provoking or like in-depth way. And it just comes off kind of weird to me here, no? Absolutely. Watching people juggle how they deal with social (laughs) media. Awkward. It it definitely seemed awkward. Yes. Moving on in our feed me segment though, Webby. One last thing I got, and then I'll ask you if you got something, but Another person I didn't really envy their position was Steve Kerr because there is video circulating of Chris Paul doing this fake laugh, right? That <laughs> meme was going around for a couple days. And then a couple days after that meme was th- around, the video was extended a bit on the front end. So we got to actually see what Chris Paul was fake laughing at. And we see that it was Steve Kerr making some like weird, I guess, like forearm foul motions at Chris Paul. And just perfectly, the camera cuts right to Chris Paul long enough to catch him turning to Steve Kerr and laughing. But then as his face turns, it quickly turns to a scowl and to reveal that obviously he's fake laughing at Steve Kerr's terrible joke. This might be one of my favorite videos that I've ever seen on the internet, Webby. And I, no lie, probably have watched it a hundred times. It is so great. It's so great because it sums up perfectly the the hatred or the distaste that Chris Paul still has for the Warriors. His uniform might have changed from the Clippers to the Rockets, but he still does not like anything about the Golden State Warriors at all. And I love that he had no time for Steve Kerr. Like, I'm not laughing and joking around with you. I'm trying to beat you guys right now me and you ain't friends steve kerr i'm here for it i like it well i i completely 1000 percent agree with you not only is it so chris paul but it's just like it's a great insight to his personality and the way that he carries himself on the court yes indeed webby uh, also a dude who's been carrying himself pretty well on the basketball court let's transition into our wrap it up segment and you know not too much going on in raptor land but one thing we'll definitely bring up for sure is kyle lowry was named to the all-star game and it's a great feat when you think about the fact that lowry and DeRozan now are perennial all-stars like you can officially called them both perennial all-stars it's been their third straight game together if i'm not mistaken And it's just been awesome to see for the franchise and how much it's meant to the fan base, to how much it legitimizes the fan base. But one thing people might not be aware of is Bobby Marks pointed out from ESPN, Kyle Lowry will now earn $200,000 if he plays in 23 more games. Lowry has an all-star bonus in his contract that is tied in with games played, which is 65. And he also has a $500,000 bonus if the Raptors reach the conference finals and an additional $500,000 if Toronto earns a spot in the NBA finals. Toronto will be $800,000 below the tax if Lowry reaches the game's criteria slash all-star bonus. What do you think of that for Kyle Lowry? That's pretty cool. The dude was already making... 31, yeah, 30, uh, yeah. I think it's like 33 mil. This is nice. It's just like a little bit of cherry on top, right? Right. Talk about cherry on top. That big time deal that Kyle Lowry signed last year. A lot of speculation went into the fact that he took less years. We know that he wanted five years. He settled on taking three years and I'm pretty sure it was 33 mil that he signed for. And, you know, it's funny to see now because these are the things that we forget about, right? 
But when you go back to when he signed that contract, this was kind of the the extra bargaining chips you had when you're telling him, hey, we, we're only going to sign you for three years, but we'll add in a bunch of little stipulations here, right? Like if you make the all-star game, you play X amount of games, cool. There's bonuses there for you. Smart ninja-like moves there by Masai Ujiri to keep Kyle Lowry motivated and keep him coming, right? Absolutely. And does anybody on this team not named DeMar DeRozan deserve this money more? I mean, Kyle Lowry's been busting his ass since he came to Toronto, and it's good to see him rewarded with these added performance-based incentives. Super cool and super dope as well as the Raptors continue to dominate in the Eastern Conference, smashing the Atlanta Hawks, a basketball team I refuse to watch play just because there's absolutely no point. I will not watch the Atlanta Hawks play. They're ugly. Yeah, and their uniforms are terrible. There's no fans in their stands. Like, it's just a complete waste of time. I did not watch much of that game at all, other than to see that the Raptors blew them out and to notice that Bruno still doesn't play, (laughs) which, yeah, that's a story for another day. So, yes, again, we know they beat Atlanta, but we're not really, like, whatever. Who cares about that? I want to know what you think about this team after that stretch against above 500 teams and that how much did that change your opinion of the team that you had before and, and not really you know those were tough games especially that minnesota one i thought that was the one that they really didn't blow it but i you know they could have won that game it was a super and, ugly game yeah it was a really ugly game but it, you know what uh, my my opinion hasn't changed what's good is that boston seems to be on a little bit of a swoon here mm-hmm. uh they, they've been struggling lately that lead there is shrinking. And as long as they keep playing good basketball, and even in some of these losses, they've been playing all right. I don't think there's any reason to worry uh, for Raptor fans. Yeah. And it, I would like to point out that the Sixers beat them. <laughs> Super interesting schedule coming up. They got Utah on Friday, the Lakers on Sunday. Next Tuesday, again, a rematch against Minnesota. I wonder if Jimmy Butler will be back for that. And, yeah. and then uh, wrapping up the week, we'll be back next week while the Raps are playing against the Washington Wizards, which will always an interesting measuring stick anytime the Raps and Wiz get together. But interesting times in Raptor land. And, you know, to follow up on what you said, Webby, my opinion of this team didn't really change that much. Like I didn't ride. I didn't ride the wave as much as most Raptors fans did when they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers or when they uh, almost came back and beat Golden State. So watching them play like those grinded out games against the Pistons and against Philly and Minnesota, that was really interesting to me to, to watch those games and just see how this team and how the young Bucks react in these close games. And even the Miami game, which was one a game that they lost right at the buzzer, right? So to me, those are the games that really tell you what's going on with this team because, you know, Yes, beating the Cavs was a way bigger deal for the Raptors than it is for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like They have more to gain from that, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. But I just think that it's a good learning experience for the Young Bucks. Get them in close games. Get them in the like, you know, not everything's going to be fun and freewheeling, you know, where the offense is just looking great and the ball's humming. Sometimes games are going to get a little tight and you're going to have to slow it down and play a half court game and really grind out some victory. So I think that experience over the last week for the Young Bucks is really a good thing. My only thing I want to say about the Raptors, the only negative thing I'm going to say about the Raptors is I really have no time for people whining about not making the rookie sophomore game. A hundred and ten percent. I'm glad you brought this like, up. 
listen, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> all that matters, like the all-star game hardly matters. Okay. <laughs> you know what matters is that your team continues to win. Okay. Yeah. doesn't matter that Fred Van Vliet isn't going to play in the rookie sophomore young stars game or that OG Ananobi isn't picked as one of the top rookies to play in this game. All right. That's not who these players are. These players are playing within a system for the Raptors to win ball games. Okay. For sure. And again, you don't want your profile to be that that big while you're still getting used to the NBA. You want to stay anonymous and stay off the scouting report as a rookie, as a young buck. You want to stay off the scouting report and do your work in silence for as long as you can because that's when that next upgrade comes, when that next upgrade, that next, you know, defensive intensity from the other team pops up when people start to know your name. And that might be a little bit of what's happening to Norman Powell right now as he's struggling, as he was supposed to take another level, another step this year, and he's kind of struggling. I'm just saying, like, I'm just not here for it because as little as the All-Star game matters, to back up exactly what you said, Webby, the Rising Stars Challenge or whatever the hell it's called matters even less. So, you know what? Take that motivation of Frank Nilakina making it to the team and you guys not making it. You know what? Next time we see the Knicks, give him the business. And then That's that'll it. be way more worth it. I'd rather you not make the team and then be mad every time you see those dudes. You see Jamal Murray, give him the business, right? If you're that mad about it. I'd much rather have it work out that way than like have you guys so early on in your career be celebrating like, oh, I'm great. I'm good. I'm here. When really... We know a lot of this is a product of the system, and I'm okay with that, and that's a good thing, and I'm happy for Raptor fans that they have a good team with a bunch of young bucks that are filling in and doing well within the system, so let's just stick to that. Not only that, but I'm not worried about Norm. Just wait till the playoffs. Okay, okay. I like it, Webby. I like it, and... We will wrap up this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast like we always do with the Ask on Blast segment. But this time I'm going to switch it up a little. <laughs> and to start, I do have a real question that came from someone. But first, because I didn't give you this time earlier, Webby, talk to me about your Eagles, man. Oh, boy. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I can't believe that Nick Foles uh, absolutely turned into Joe Montana uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, who I heard for so long had the best defense in the National Football League and that they uh, had the best third down defense in the history of the National Football League. And you know what Nick Foles did to that defense? He tore them to shreds. <laughs> Nick Foles put on a performance of a lifetime. Now, the big game is next week. Mm -hmm. Okay? And unlike the Minnesota Vikings, who had their Super Bowl victory against the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round, the Philadelphia Eagles are not done, okay? Are we afraid of Tom Brady? Hell no. Are we afraid of Bill Belichick? No way. Do we think that Matt Patricia's defense are a bunch of pussies? <laughs> yes, we do. And is our defense ready to get after the quarterback and make Tom Brady's life three or four hours of living hell come next Sunday night. Yes, we do. 
Philadelphia, the Eagles, they're going to do what many, if not all, thought was impossible and beat the Patriots and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to stop you midway through, but I'm like, nah, I'm going to let you go. Because I'm going to say save some for next week when we make official picks, but I don't think we have to make official picks because we know where, who you're going to pick. Listen, this is a special Eagles team, okay? And as long as Brian Dawkins comes out with one of these minute, two-minute-long videos on that Sunday where he fires it up. Have you seen these? No. All I've been seeing is the is your squad getting hyped to Meek Mill's – what is it? <laughs> Dreams and Nightmares? Is that what it's called? Yo, it's track one, man. So Side good. one, track one on the, that album. It's one of the best hip-hop songs of all time. One of the greatest intros ever, for sure. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, but listen, the team is special. That's all I'll say. I think Webby sounds excited. I don't know. Let us know. <laughs> My team's, my team's in the fucking Super Bowl. Of course I'm excited. I'm not mad at you, Webby. I'm not mad at you I'm, at all. Shout out to the Eagles. Next week I'll make my pick because I'm not sure yet where I'm going. I have an idea, right. but I'm not sure yet where I'm going. Uh, so I'll, I'll for sure make my pick next week. But let's get to our, our real Ask on Blast question as I cheated there. But our real Ask on Blast question comes from Sam. And Sam wants to know, I know you guys are music fans. The Grammys are this Sunday. Who will win Album of the Year? So, after I got this question, I said, yes, I will do my civic duties here on this podcast, <laughs> and I will find the nominees, because I wasn't sure who the nominees were. I and know so, two. I know two of the nominees. So, the nominees for Album of the Year, you have 24K Magic, Bruno Mars. You have Melodrama, Lord. You have Kendrick Lamar, Damn, Jay-Z, 444, and Awaken My Love, Childish Gambino, Webby. Who's winning album of the year? Who do I want or who is it going to be? <laughs> I'll ask you both. Okay. Well, obviously, we, we talked about our uh, our top three albums a couple episodes ago, and we both had Dan number one. Yes. It's a shining achievement, uh, not only of hip-hop, but of album-making and uh, just storytelling and, uh, and lyricism and music and everything. We both loved it. And I think that if Kendrick... Uh, I believe, wasn't it Beck who beat out Kendrick a couple of years ago? I think and so. And we were all like, uh, what? Excuse me? I think so. I think that Kendrick should win. Now, okay. I think that Childish Gambino is going to win. Oh, okay. And uh, listen, I'm not mad at it because that album is stunning. That album is amazing. I love it. Uh, it would have been on my top five had we gone with five. Instead of three, I think Awaken My Love was just one of the most creative albums, especially for a guy like uh, Donald Glover to come out with. Definitely went away from what we thought Childish Gambino was and kind of made this whole new sound that was a retro sound, uh, but kind of updated it. And I think that I think that's what's going to win. Okay, okay. And as you mentioned, if you didn't hear our takes on what was the album of the of 2017, just go back wherever you found this podcast and you will find the prior episode, which will tell you, give you the full breakdown on our albums of the year. But you are correct. We both did pick at the time Kendrick Lamar's Damn as being the album of the year. So, you know, I think that Kendrick Lamar will win. But who do I want to win? Of course I want Jay-Z to win. 444, that's my guy. It's in New York. It'll be a celebration of Jay, whether or not he wins, well, what did he call it? The Blue Sippy Cup? 
right? Like yeah. whether or yeah. not he wins more sippy cups for his for his kids, you know, this will be a celebration of Jay-Z, the man, the myth, the legend, my dude. I'm looking forward to the Grammys because it'll be so much fun. Hova all day, every day. Is he performing? I think he has to be performing because he's also he's getting an award. Like one of those like kind of lifetime achievement type things. Right. Yeah, he's getting some award and you know, he's up for I think song of the year or record of the year. So the story of OJ is also nominated yeah, along with this. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be nominated. So I mean, this is a, a it'll be a great celebration for Jay Z. So if you are a Jay Z fan, I, I urge you to tune in to the Grammys, which normally, you know, this is a man that once famously said in a song, fuck your awards like Eddie Murphy's couch. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, four four four, change men, grown up. Let's 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 do it for one night, one night only. I'll give the Grammy some love. I'm in. Before we go, mm-hmm. where do you put four 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 on Jay Z albums of all time? I don't know. That's a that's too tough, man. I don't even know what my favorite Jay album is of all time. It's tough. I switch up all the time. I just love them all. I just know which ones I don't like as much as the others. 444 is in the upper echelon for sure. But to me, it still doesn't, it doesn't beat Blueprint. It doesn't beat Black Album. Obviously, when I go to the beginning, because I'm a a fan of In My Lifetime, and obviously Reasonable Doubt is the shit. So, I mean, if we're going by that, what did I just do? That's four I just listed. So I guess 444 at best could be top five. But I'm yeah. a guy that loves, loves, loves American Gangster. Oh, so, really? I love American Gangster. That is a great album. And if you don't like American Gangster, go back and listen to it cover to cover. That all is right. telling a story. Right. That is a dope-ass album. It's a story from the come up all the way to the heights of making it and hitting it big to then when you fall off as a drug dealer. It's such a great, great story. Great piece of work. So I don't know where I rank 444. I'm not sure yet. But it is a great piece of music. I love it. Still love it. Was bumping it today. Nice. I like to hear it. Um, hopefully, you were bumping along with us on and enjoyed this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. And you'll decide to bump along with us again next week. As always, my name is Sean Alexander. And you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And this is Andrew Webster. You can catch me freaking out about the Eagles. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday at A Webster 84 uh, across all social media. And as always, we are the Ball on Blast podcast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.